Well, good morning. It's good to have you here today. If you're in Kidmo, you can head on out. If you're a guest and you have a second through fifth grader, Kidmo is a chance for them to have their own time of teaching, small groups, games, and things uh, together while we're in here. You're welcome to see where they're going and then pick them up when we're done talking together. We're starting a new series today called Courageous, and our hope is that we are going to continue to talk about some significant issues in the course of our lives and of our church and the need and call for courage. Uh, I have felt the need to do this series for a while now. Uh, One of the trends that we see in the world and one of the trends that we see in our culture is that of a people that love their brokenness. Uh, We in the church have a problem with brokenness. For one, we don't like to acknowledge it. (laughs) We like to pretend we have it all together. And we created within our own culture this idea where do not come in your brokenness, come with your life put together, come with everything figured out, come knowing that you are strong and you appear to others that you are strong. And that is not the way that Jesus describes those who follow after him. We are broken people. However, our God is not a God who relishes our brokenness and desires for us to stay there. And the truth is, if we are going to be courageous, we are going to have to fight a fear that we ourselves struggle with overcoming things, and yet we worship a God who overcame everything. If we are going to be a people who are the children of God, then we must also ourselves be overcomers, and that is going to require courage. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about courage in a number of ways. We're going to be talking about courage as a church. One of the things that has been a hallmark characteristic of our church is that of courage, that of trying things, that of uh, following God even when there is great risk, and there are going to be calls for us to continue to follow God even when there is great risk. We're going to be talking about courage in the sense of your own life and the way that you live your life. We're going to talk about the courage to rebuild after failure. We're going to be talking about the courage to continue to move forward with God. Sometimes having courage means that we have to stand still right where we are, and sometimes it means we need to back up a little bit. All of those things take courage. Courage means that we're going to look at God and we're going to say, whatever you say, wherever you tell me to go, and whatever you tell me to do, I will do it, even though... I'm not sure I want to do that. And we're going to look at a couple of people that that applies to today. If we look at the word courage, if we just look at a basic definition of what it means, it is the ability to do something that frightens you. Most basic understanding of courage is the ability to do something that frightens you, not frighten someone else, because some of our students love to frighten their parents, I'm sure. But you overcoming whatever fear that you have. One of the reasons I wanted to show that video is it goes through several stories through Scripture of people that were uh, required to have courage in order to follow God. And, and all of those things, what we learn, and we learn this specific lesson, that there is no need for courage unless fear exists. There's no need for courage unless sacrifice exists. There's no need for courage unless it's going to cost us something, or we fear that it is going to cost us something. We have so many examples of people that are fighting fear and for people who are being courageous. In fact, this week, 
Uh, it was an incredible story. I, probably most of you have already seen it, but I wanted to show it for those that didn't. An incredible coach by the name of Keenan Lowe in Portland, Oregon, uh, was faced with a situation in which no one wants to face, and that is a teenager had come to school with the intent of doing great harm. This is what happened in Portland. In that moment, what would we do seeing a student come down the hallway with a shotgun? And yet, Coach Lowe's response was exactly what we would hope for in an employee of the school, a coach, a teacher, any adult that would be around. His response could have been to run, could have been to yell and tell people to hide, could have been to expect the worst, or he could go to this young man, and he went to him, was able to ask for the gun, and then give that student what he needed, which was somebody to say, I see you and I care about you. What an incredible story of courage, because in that moment, he had the ability to do what any of the rest of us do. We can either run out of fear or we can engage with courage. And no doubt after that episode was over, he probably, with adrenaline was surging through his body. I'm sure he was just shaking after that event. You know, courage, we're going to talk about that. It's such an easy word just to use and to not understand. It's such an easy word to just throw into day-to-day use and not actually engage what it means. But do you realize courage doesn't just exist for us to say, I'm good. Courage is not the thing that happens when we don't fear. Courage is not the thing that we just are born with. Instead, courage requires fear. Courage is both learned in the sense that we aren't born just courageous, but it is also earned because you don't overcome fear strictly through an exercise of your mind, but through practice. I want to go through a couple of stories today. We're going to look at Moses and we're going to look at Joshua. Same events. Uh, a a telling in a different way. And I want you to see the move from courage to fear. But as we begin this, it could be very easy to talk about others, to look at someone like this coach, to look at Moses or to Joshua and make this about somebody else. You here today, God is calling you to something. You are required to have courage to follow him. What is it the thing that you're most afraid of today in, in your own walk with Christ? Are you afraid to let people know that you follow Christ? Are you afraid to let people know that you need Jesus? Are you afraid to let people know you attend a church? Are you afraid about this calling that you feel just edging in the back of your mind and he is saying, I have a place for you, but it is not your place where you are now. You're going to have to leave this. You're going to have to go do this thing. And yet that causes fear, especially if you like where you are. 
Maybe it's something you've done your entire life. You've lived out your entire life and your entire life you have done this whatever. And it becomes so comfortable and so normal. And he's saying, this is not good for you. You need to let this go. You need to set this down. You need to walk away. And that's going to take courage because there's fear of walking away from the things that make us comfortable, make us feel safe. And I read through Scripture, one of the things that encourages me is the fact that God is not a God who wants you to feel safe except in your relationship with Him. Instead, He calls us to great acts of faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. You have a calling that will require courage. I want you to know every person in here, God has already prepared something in your life. There is a calling on every person that's in this room. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul describes it like this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. In other words, it's not about you being good enough. It's not about you being strong enough. It's not about you being the one who determines what you're going to do. It's not about works. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, Can you just imagine that when you were born, God has already been planning out your life? Now, there's a piece of us in this culture that just believes if I love God, if I go to church, if I, you know, do my best to do the things I read in scripture, then I will have a smooth path from where I am to where I want to be. Has anybody experienced that kind of life? Just wondering. Yeah. None of us have experienced that kind of life. But there's something in us as we're growing up that feels like that's the way it's supposed to be. And there's a a naiveness in the Christian faith that says, if I'm just good enough, God will make my path straight. That's in Scripture. And get me straight to where I want to be. And if there's something that's come in between and is causing you anxiety, then... That clearly is sin within your life. But what if it's God? What if the thing God's calling you to do is the very thing you don't want to do? And in those responses, you are going to come to a crisis of belief in which you have to decide, will I go to the place in which God is saying that I should go or am I going to stop? Am I going to go the other direction? What has God called you to do? And why aren't you doing it? I say, I bet the answer is fear. And you won't say fear. I don't have the resources yet. That's fear God's not going to provide. Well, I'm just not sure it's the right time. I have all these things going on. That's fear that God's calling is inconvenient or God has not thought through this calling that he's given you. Or maybe you're thinking, well, it's just too hard. Bless you. That was severe. That was, it's that season. But see, whenever we say that, the reality is, is that we question God's sovereignty because God is not able to do this through me. See, the reason we don't fulfill God's calling within our life is all out of fear. Maybe you don't know what to do next. I feel the calling. I'm ready. Fear won't stop me. I don't know what to do. And we fear taking any step unless it is the absolute perfect step. 
And sometimes we just have to take a step. We just got to move in the direction and see what happens. And God shows up because God has called you. Let's look today at Deuteronomy chapter 41. This is Moses' call to courage. And Moses is an incredible figure in the Old Testament. And if you are a light reader of the Old Testament, you think Moses is everything good in the world. (laughs) But that is not how Moses started out. Moses was everything wrong with being a follower of God. And so as we start off his call to courage, we read in Deuteronomy 31, this is towards This is actually towards the end. So we're going to start, we'll we'll back up and then we'll move forward. This is Deuteronomy chapter 31 when Moses is about to pass away and Joshua is going to take over. It says, so Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. You'll remember the reason he is not going into the promised land is because he did not trust God (laughs) along the way, which is an incredible, incredible story for another time. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites and to their land. When he destroyed them and the Lord will give them over to you and you shall do them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. This is the Moses we love. This is the Moses who came into Egypt and he stood in front of Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. This is the Moses who conquered his fear and walked in and time after time was rejected and time after time he went back to God and time after time God provided, they delivered them, he delivered them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and then they wandered in the desert as they prepared themselves for the promised land. And if you follow the story, you'll know that along the way there were some people that said, we should go now. In fact, God said earlier in their journey, go now. And they said, no, it's too hard. We're afraid. He said, well, then you'll wander until you're not afraid. Joshua, however, was not afraid. Joshua was ready to go. He believed God and he wanted to go. And when we come to this part of Moses' life and this part of Moses' story, this is a banner moment for him to stand up and hold his staff high and say, you are going to do this. Go Don't be afraid because God is with you. This is not how Moses' story started. This is not how Moses' story started. Moses began this journey in fear. Maybe where you are in the fear of your own calling. There are four fears that we read about from Moses, and we're not going to read through Exodus 3 and 4. If you want to read this entire exchange, this is really an incredible moment. God is speaking to Moses. Moses sees the burning bush, and he's like, whoa, that shouldn't be happening. And then God begins to speak to him. Now, if I see a tree on fire that doesn't actually get consumed, and then someone starts speaking to me, I'm going to pay attention. And I'm probably not going to argue with them. Because they got something going on that I don't, right? I can't do that. These are his four fears as God is calling him to this task that we just read that he had completed. 
Next is 3.13. The first fear is Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? This huge task, millions of Hebrews enslaved, and he's supposed to deliver them out. If you'll remember, he had to run from Egypt because he was being sought for murder. And you want me to go back? And if I do go back, he wasn't exactly a good observant Hebrew in his time there. He lived in the house of Pharaoh and would have been seen by many as an oppressor. His first fear was this, well, they don't know me. Do you ever have that fear? And we say it in different ways. They don't know me as in, I've not done anything. I don't have the credentials. I don't have the degree. I don't have people telling me I'm doing good. I, 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 I've not made a name for myself. I'm not popular enough. I don't just walk in and doors don't just open. It's like when I walk in, the doors close, you know, I, that doesn't go the other way for me. They don't know me in, in many different ways. That fear for us is simply this. I, I'm not capable of this. I've not done anything. Nothing noteworthy. What makes you think I can do this? I'm nobody. In fact, I ran, remember? His first fear was this, that they don't know me. We all have that same fear in different ways. The second fear that he had, we read in Exodus 4.10, or excuse me, Exodus 4.1, he goes on and Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. Fear number two was they won't believe me. This is craziness. This is craziness. There are times that we feel so compelled by a vision of God, and yet for whatever reason we let other people determine whether or not we will move forward in it. You tell somebody that's trusted and they go, oh, that's not, that's not a good idea at all. I remember I was been telling my story of journey and it all coming together. It seems like a lot lately. And I was talking to some church planners in town. They were just doing an incredible job uh, planning a new church in town. And, and I re- recalled inviting at the time, this was about 13 years ago, one of the preeminent church planning consultants uh, for the North American Mission Board who was uh, we were a Southern Baptist church at the time. And he came down and I said, this is what we want to do. And we want to plant a church. What, what can you tell me? And he said, paraphrasing, I can tell you this, you'll never do it. That's a bit of a dump on your confidence right there, I'll tell you. When the foremost expert that you know on church planning who has planted churches and is planting churches all over the country tells you it can't be done in Chattanooga. I left that meeting not feeling real good and positive. You know, there are times that you're going to tell people that you trust what God has said to you to do, and you're going to have to choose to ignore the fact that they're going to tell you, no, you can't. (laughs) And some of you have been hearing that message your entire life. You got that message from mom and dad. You got that message from big brother or sister. You got that message from people at school. You got that message from people you worked with. You'll never do it. You're not good enough. Give up. 
Don't try. What if Moses had given up? Somebody would say, well, he would find somebody else. God would find somebody else. Well, yes, he probably would. But he knew Moses wouldn't give up. Some of us in this room need to stop giving up because people have told us we can't do something. Some of you have been told that in your entire life. And today is the day you need to say no more. God is calling me to this. I am not going to fear because God is with me. They won't believe me. Moses comes back with his second fear. Then in 4.10, he says, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in, my, in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. His third fear was this. I don't talk good. And I love how he puts it. God, I've never been good at this. And since you've been talking, I'm not gotten any better. I ain't no good talker. You need a good talker. I ain't it. Right? Maybe we got some good talkers in the room, but what are you not good at? Not talking, yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Guilty. Guilty. See, every one of you have something in your life that God is calling you to, and He is asking you to step up, trusting Him, because He's going to come in and do something through you. And your first response is going to be, I don't talk good. How many times have we had the opportunity to talk about God to someone who needs to hear about God and we think, I will mess it up. It is better for me not to say anything. And you know what? Somebody better will come along and will take care of that. You become Calvinist for a moment, right? Like if God wants them to be saved, they're going to be saved. And it's not going to, if it's not me, God will make somebody else come by, right? Like we don't like Calvinism until we got to share our faith. And then we're like all Calvinists, right? Somebody will do it. Somebody, but if I don't do it, somebody will do it. Well, what if they won't? What if you're the one? I say, I don't know what it is for you, but you're being called to something. If you had every skill set in order to do everything God is calling you to do, you would not need God to call you to do it. You would already be doing it. And some of you have a skill set you don't yet know you have because you've not yet followed God to the place He told you to go. And He has not yet empowered you. This is one of the things the Holy Spirit does in us that wasn't doing for Moses. He empowers us. Paul talks about this in the area of spiritual giftedness. He wants to gift you. See, these initial steps of stepping out in faith... They are the training ground for the really big steps of faith. Remember when I was a kid, it was all the rage was starting to be, uh, you know, in climbing and rappelling and things. And I went to a camp, me and some friends of mine, and they had this big rappelling tower. Has anybody been rappelling? Has anybody gotten to the top of the tower and been like, can I get, how do I get down? Like, is there an elevator, you know? You kind of look over the edge and it's straight down to the ground. It's like, what am I doing here? You know, I, I, you just need to know, I don't like heights. I don't like them one bit. Uh, I remember going up into the arch in St. Louis. Anybody, if you've ever done that and you get up there and you're like, there's like nothing holding this thing up. Like a, a light breeze will push this whole thing over, you know, and, but you're up there looking out these windows that angle out. So you're looking down and, you know, maybe you've been to the Sears Tower. Deidre and I went to. Sears Tower once, and 
you know, stood out on that glass overhang that goes out from the building. You remember, did you see someone did that the other day and like it cracked? Like that would be, I would never go up over a second floor after that if that was me. I would never do it again. But I remember going up that rappelling tower and a friend of mine had gone before me and he was so nervous. And this made me even more nervous because he started shaking. And whenever you're going to rappel, you know, first thing you have to do is you have to get up to the top, right? That's step one, just get up to the top. Actually, probably step two. Step one is getting up the nerve to get on the ladder to get up to the top. And then you have to walk over and get harnessed up and get hooked into the rope. And then you have to look over. And then they say, now turn around and back up to the edge. Well, that, nothing in your experience in life will tell you that this is a good thing to do. And then you put your feet right on the edge. And I should do it here, but I will fall and bust it big time. And then you're just, they just say, just, no, just, just lean back. Like, it's no big deal. Like, you know, have an ice cream sundae. And just lean back. It's not the same thing. But that's the way they will try to calm you down. And he was shaking so badly, his leg, it was like he was kicking the thing. And the whole tower started doing this, which does not give you confidence. But every one of us made it up the ladder, made it to the edge, and with various amounts of fear and probably loss of bodily fluids, we made it back down to the bottom in one piece. Sometimes you have to take a step before you're ready to take the next harder step. And sometimes you have to step out in an ability that you don't think you have because God has said, this is what I want you to do. And sometimes it's not as obvious as a burning bush. Sometimes it is as subtle as God putting you in a situation and yet no one else is there to do this thing that so clearly in your mind needs to be done. Will I do it? That takes courage. They don't talk good. Now at this point, if I'm having that conversation with my kids and they have three times now told me why they're not going to do what I've just told them to do, I'm not real happy. But yet Moses wasn't done and God was being patient with him. In Exodus 4.14, or excuse me, in Exodus 4.13, his last fear, but he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. And that fourth fear was, I don't trust you. Now, at this point, God does get upset with him. And he says in verse 14, Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him And take in your hand this staff, which you shall do the signs. At this point, Moses begins to be encouraged. He goes on in verse 18 and says, Moses, after this event, after this exchange, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. So he took four fears. He had to get over these four fears to finally say, I will do the thing that I feel called to do. 
and the rest is history. And yet there are still other steps that will need to be taken from this point on. Moses feared God, not as if God was going to hurt him, but he knew God was God. And he was going to trust him. Moses also believed God and Moses was encouraged. Aaron will be there with me. Some of you are incredible encouragers in this room today. You know what the word encourage literally means? The word encourage literally means to instill courage in someone. Now, courage is not to do something that, require, that doesn't require you to overcome fear. Courage will always have an element of fear to it. Courage is the overcoming of fear. To encourage someone is not just to say, you know what? Your hair looks nice today. You know what? You look, look good. You did a good job. Now, we call that encouragement. But that's not exactly what the word encouragement means. It means to actually instill courage in someone. To actually instill in someone the ability to face a fear. So encouragement is far more than simply a compliment. Encouragement is the ability to walk along somebody and say, you got this, and many times I am with you too. Are we encouragers to the people around us? Are we encouraging the people that we run into, the people that we know are facing fears, or do we go, oh, I'd hate to be them? I sometimes do that. Do you ever do that? Like you see somebody that's struggling with something, like, oh, I'd hate, I'd hate to be them. Except God's saying, well, go, encourage. Encourage. Get in there. Get in the ring. This is why you're here. Encourage. There's so many people in our world today that need to be encouraged. Not complimented, although that's never a bad thing, right? Except when they're not true. Not complimented but encouraged, taking courage and giving it to them so that they have it themselves. We come on later into the story, and this is now after Moses has died. He has somewhat passed the torch on to Joshua in the passage we read in Deuteronomy 31, and now we come to Joshua 1. This is where Joshua is taking the helm. He's taking the lead. It's time to go into the city, and he's got to motivate this massive number of people that we can do this. We're going for this. This is happening. Verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will lead upon, will tread upon, I, will, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. When we are going to begin to move from fear to courage, Joshua gives us a great picture of what it means to have courage. And there are four things that I'm going to share with you and then we're done for today. Number one, courage begins with purpose. Courage begins with purpose. I was eating lunch this week at Zaxby's, and uh, I saw a group of people come in, which is not unusual at Zaxby's, you know, if 
Chick-fil-A drive-thru is full, you go to Zaxby's, right? You know, that's the way it works. Or, and then if Zaxby's isn't open, then you go to Popeye's, right? And then if all else fails, you go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Isn't that the way it goes? Bojangles. Oh, Bojangles, yeah. Bojangles is, yeah, okay, yeah. Actually, Bojangles isn't bad. But uh, anyways, as is Zaxby's, this group of, of men came in. And it didn't take but a moment to recognize something's off here. And it appeared to be a group of men from the Orange Grove Center. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Orange Grove Center. They work with a lot of individuals with physical, mental delays. Uh, and, um, but I, w- I keyed in not to those men who had obviously severe issues in dealing with life. But I keyed in on the two men that were bringing them there. And the care, the concern, the pulling tables and chairs for them. They had supplies in their backpack to care for them. And they just cared for each one of these men. I quite honestly don't know how you take 10 children into Zaxby's, right? Or any other restaurant. When we were, oh, our kids were really young. We went through about four years and said, we're not eating out again. Why in the world do we want to pay for this experience? Can I get an amen from any other young parents out here? Amen. That's right. Why are we going to pay for this? We could do this at home, you know, do this for a lot less. So, but they cared for each one of them, took care of each one of them, and both were young. And I thought, they made a choice to take this job. They made a choice for this. Because this is not what you set out when you're six years old. What do you want to do when you grow up? Right? I thought, what courage to spend your life caring for people that will probably never recognize fully what you're doing for them. And yet every day at work, to some level, is a sacrifice for you. What courage. What courage to be willing to say, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to take a lower paycheck. I'm going to do something on purpose with my life. That is a calling. What Joshua knew when he came in is that he had a purpose. Courage begins with purpose. If you don't know what you're doing and you're just wandering around, it's really hard to have courage because nothing really makes sense and no sacrifice feels worth it. Like, why am I going to go after that? You know, that looks really hard. (laughs) Why do that? I don't even know if I'm supposed to do that. So why subject myself to that? But when you have purpose, and your purpose comes in your faith in Christ, that you have purpose in your life. What we read in Ephesians just a few minutes ago, that God has been preparing good works for your life. You have a purpose. Some of you are struggling right now because you don't know what that is. You're just wandering through life. You think, well, maybe it's in a different job. Well, what if it's in the job you're in now? Well, maybe it's whenever I get older. Well, what if it's for right now? Courage does begin with purpose. For him, his purpose was, these people need a leader. I have prepared this land for you. Somebody's got to take them into it. Somebody's got to lead the charge. And they're not walking in with people rolling out the red carpets. Well, some occasions they did, which is an incredible story. But most of the time, there was a, there was a fight to be had. But Joshua had a purpose. What is your purpose? And we all have 
our own purpose, but we also all have a shared purpose, don't we? Like we all have a generic purpose in life. Follow God, to love Him, to love people, to be in community. We all have you know, a, a shared purpose, but that you also have an individual purpose within the whole. And the whole doesn't function correctly unless you're fulfilling your individual purpose. Just ask yourself, and you stub your toe. The whole body feels it, doesn't it? If you don't fulfill your purpose, the whole body feels it. The whole body knows something is wrong. And maybe worse, they don't know it's wrong. They're just missing out on what God is doing. Courage begins with purpose. Joshua 1.5 says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I am there with you. You have purpose. I just say, some of you, what you need to hear today is the fact that you are currently afraid of the next step or the fact that you feel like you, you knew what your purpose was at one point and you didn't follow through and now you're wandering. Can I just say that does not disqualify you from God's call right now in this moment. Maybe you feel like you had your chance and now you've lost it. He saw that. He saw that coming. And he still has a call for your life. Courage begins with purpose. Courage also requires focus. Verse 6 says, be strong and courageous. Now, you think he's remembering what Moses said to him? Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, because there will be great fear is what we can interpret that as. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go." Courage requires focused attention. And courage is instilled through obedience to God. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good Success. You cannot follow God into the place in which He's calling you. And I know this is so elementary, but yet we miss this so many times without obeying Him. One thing I have learned is if I, if I am in a season of life where I feel that I know what God is saying to me and I refuse to do it, or I just am too busy to do it, or I just don't want to do it, or I just have other things that feel more pressing, at the, whatever. I find that God speaks less to me. I, I find that God doesn't say, okay, yeah, we're just going to forget that one because you didn't want to do that one. So here's the next one. How's this one? Is this one better? 
That's not how God works with me. Maybe he works that way with you. That's not how God works with me. There's a part of following God in these times that our courage has to come from somewhere. Our courage to fight the fear has to come from somewhere. And if it's not coming from God, then we are in big trouble because he says every single time, be strong and courageous because why? I am with you. I am with you. So if I treat God and, and what he has called me to and his, treats the commandments that he has given as something that doesn't matter, then I say, I don't care if you're with me because they're not that important to me. God says to Joshua, listen, if we're going to do this, if you're going to make this happen, make sure you are staying in my word because you have to stay focused on obeying what I'm telling you. This is the problem with Moses, see. This is why Moses isn't the one leading them. Remember, they were wandering around, and the Hebrews were doing like good church people do, right? For Thursday, time to go. Is the sermon going to be over? Maybe we'll get Krispy Kremes next week instead of Dunkin' Donuts. I hate Dunkin' Donuts, right? Y'all don't do that, but other people do, you know? <laughs> There's a time that we have to step up, and we have to recognize that God is calling us to something better. Moses looked around at the complaining of no water and said, God, I'm so tired of this. I mean, how much more do I have to do here? And he said, strike the rock. I'm not striking the rock, God. I'm, I'm done. You all don't have these conversations with God, right? Nobody here does. Moses did. I do. I mean, Moses did, right? <laughs> I'm going to strike the rock. Strike the rock, Moses. Strikes the rock, water comes out. Listen, you've got to follow, you've got to obey me. You've got to trust me. Because you're not trusting me, you're not making it into the promised land. This has got to have been just a dagger through the heart of Moses. Moses didn't, or God didn't leave Moses in that moment. He didn't change the calling on Moses' life. There are consequences when we don't follow God obediently. And he's saying to Joshua, don't make the same mistake. Fortunately for Joshua, unfortunately for Moses, Joshua got to see Moses go through this. Moses didn't have that benefit. Courage is instilled through obedience to God. Paul in his letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy says this, saying essentially the same thing to him. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Stay focused. Fan the flame that God has put within you, which means keep obeying, keep following, keep doing these things. And the fourth thing we see in this, these few verses of Joshua, courage is empowered by the presence of God. Listen to this, people, not your own ability. There's too many of us walking around flaunting our abilities. If we're flaunting our abilities, then we are not flaunting what God is doing. We are not flaunting the power of God. 
Courage is empowered by the presence of God, not your own ability. In verse verse 9 it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. One of the things that I am so appreciative about these stories and what Scripture gives us consistently is this fact that you are not expected to do this under your own power. And yet, we all know somebody who's really good at a lot of things. And we look at them with envy. Like, they're really good. I wish I was that good. I mean, pastors are terrible about this. Man, that was such a good sermon. They're so much better, you know. Oh, they're so much better at the way they put this thing together, or this thing they made. And in the design world, it's always, gosh, they're just such a better designer. And man, they're, they just make things look better than I do. There, there's all kinds of ways for us to look at other people and say, they're just so much better. Somebody today is preaching a sermon on this very thing, and they're doing a better job than me, right? I'm okay with that. Because God never said it's about your ability. Now, there's a lot of people that struggle that have a lot of ability because they don't trust God to do something in and through them. And it's all on their shoulders. And yet, what happens whenever you experience God's power working through you? Does anyone ever say, stop? Enough, God! I mean, that's too good! I can't handle this! No, we're like, God, more please. (laughs) More please. You know. God is with you. As a church, we have always been a courageous church. From the day the church planning consultant said, it'll never work, to today. We have been a courageous church when we have made moves and we didn't know what we were getting into. We have been a courageous church when we have invited people to be in our community that other people would just prefer they not be in your community. We have done things along the way to say, God, we trust you. You must show up and do this thing because we ourselves cannot do it ourselves. And many of you have not only been drawn to that, you have been empowered and encouraged by it as well. I want you to be here Through the end of November, I mean, you can leave and come back. You don't have to stay here, but because we don't have that many donuts. But um, I want you here every week through the end of November. Because we're going to be talking about different aspects of being courageous. Next week, Scott and I are going to be tag teaming, and we're going to be talking about a courageous church. There are some things that God is moving us around in, And there are things we need to be talking about as a community. My brother-in-law, who was, uh, if you all were here, the three of you that were here for fall break, um, (laughs) he was one of them, (laughs) Uh, he coined a term that we are totally stealing, and he's okay with it. I told him we're going to steal it, but he coined a term called congregational courage. I thought that is so good. That is us. That is us. We're going to be talking about congregational courage next week, and I hope that you'll be here to be a part of that. We're also going to be talking about what does it look like 
to forgive someone. Because it takes courage to forgive someone. Some of us are carrying around open, gaping, hemorrhaging wounds because we're unwilling to forgive. Some of us, we need to forgive ourselves. Some of us need to forgive God. Some of us need to repent because we've held things against God and against others. We're going to be talking about what does it look like to stop when we need to stop, to go when we need to go, to just be still when we just need to be still and patient. Some of you in this room, I know you, that you would rather do anything than be patient. I'm one of you. Like, I got to wait for this? Are you kidding me? We're also going to be talking about leadership of the church because we have some significant things uh, in our church and we are going to be bringing two elders to you and I'm going to talk more about that next week. I'll be naming who those um, there are. They are not elders yet. You will have the opportunity to determine whether that happens, but we believe we have two individuals um, that will be good for our elders and they're going to be sharing their testimonies over the next few weeks as well. I want to call you to courage. As a church, as a family, as a community, I'm very excited about the things God is doing. But I'm going to tell you, we can sit, we can soak, and we can enjoy, and we can just kind of go along our normal, everyday routines. But i got to be honest, that makes me want to go to sleep. That does not make me excited, and it does not make God excited. Or we can follow what God is saying and doing in our midst, and we can take risks. Now, if some of you are thinking, he's going to say we're going to go build a building. No, we're not. We're not building a building. It's not about, you know, we're going to raise a million dollars from you people in the next six weeks. We're not, that's not what we're, I'm not going to be announcing a capital campaign. Uh, but we have some things that we have to choose whether we're going to courageously follow or we're just going to sit and soak. I want you to be here next week. To help you, we'll have donuts every week. My bribe. And if they're from Walmart, it's because I was running late that day, right? Some of you want to help provide donuts, come see me. I'll be glad to help let you help do that. But we'll have some donuts and coffee to fuel you for these conversations. I'm excited about what God is doing in our midst. I'm excited about what God is doing in your lives. And I'm excited what that means for our community because what God is doing in your lives is enriching our community. I'm excited for that. All right, let's pray. Father, God, thank you for the work that you have done and for the work that you are doing. I pray for those in this room who right now, whether they know it or not, are living their lives based on fear and not by courage. And so, God, I... Trust and I pray that the very things that you have said to Moses, to Joshua, to Elisha, to David, Solomon, to all all of the characters of Scripture, the apostles, be strong and courageous. There is much to be afraid of in the world. This world wants us to live in fear, but we will be strong and courageous because you are our God, and you are with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.